Want to discover how much money your email marketing can actually bring you? If that's the case, let our team of email marketing experts show you how. With our free email marketing audit, we'll conduct a comprehensive analysis of your email marketing efforts, provide you with action plan, and show you how to effectively segment and convert your audience. Simply go to flowium.com slash audit and book your audit today. Today's guest is Logan Lee, co-founder of the mastermind behind the wine awesomeness, as well as the co-founder of Dodge Majo. Welcome to Email Einstein, a podcast by Floium. It's time to start honing your inner marketing Einstein. Tune in for the data-driven tips that'll make you a marketing genius. Here you'll find email marketing formulas and tips straight from the brilliant mad scientists at Floium. It's time for your emails to start earning more money. It's time to unleash your Einstein. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Email Einstein. Vera and Elisa here with a special guest. We are two email marketers at an email marketing agency called Floium. are super passionate about email marketing. And because we love what we do, we want to share our insights with you. Floium is one of the fastest growing email marketing agencies in the world. We specialize in providing a premium, full service e-commerce email marketing experience for all of our clients. And our service is tailored specifically for your business and it's designed to help increase your online retail revenue by about 20 to 50 percent. We deliver the right message to the right person at the right moment and that's what we're all about. And Vera, please take it away because we're super, super excited about today's episode. We're going to be learning a lot. So, Oh, yeah. It's my pleasure to introduce our guest. Hi, everyone. By the way, we're super excited about <laughs> this uh, podcast today. And we will probably be doing less talking because we have lots and lots of questions to our today's guest. So today's guest is Logan Lee, co-founder of the mastermind behind the wine awesomeness, as well as the co-founder of Dodge Majo. We won't um, do a lot of talking here. It will be better if you hear it directly from the source. But to put in bluntly, Logan Lee is doing a big things to shake the world of e-commerce. From like founding a company that helps brands with their email list. This is a huge one, especially for us in email marketing industry. Yeah. To another company that has changed the way we, we think about wine. We wine at home. So today um, is going to be packed with some great insights with some useful information. But before we get started, Logan, we have this little cute warm-up game for you. So um, we're going to ask you a quick set of questions and you just answer the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Uh, all about it. And I don't think I've ever been called a mastermind before. So. <laughs> Did you like it? I'm, I'm flattered. Like, I know, I know. <laughs> Who would be playing you in the movie about the wine awesomeness one day? <laughs> Who would be there? So uh, a lot of people say I look a lot like Tom Hanks. And so I oh, yeah. maybe a Colin Hanks, maybe a Colin Hanks or Colin Hanks' son, like the one that is like just started barely getting into the B movies. <laughs> I know, uh, I know. Lesser known of the grandson of Tom Hanks. Okay. Which, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you definitely have this like Brad Pitt vibes as well. So, <laughs> okay, Alyssa, Alyssa, hit us with a blitz Q&A. Okay. So today's blitz Q&A, Logan, are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. What is your favorite U.S. city? Oh, uh, I mean, that's, that's really, that's uh, extremely tough. I love home base is Brooklyn, but I really kind of uh, got my, life somewhat quasi in order and went to school in Charleston, South Carolina, and it is one of the most amazing, uh, amazing cities uh, anywhere in the world. 
So um, Charleston uh, is where your heart is. Yeah, I'd say work and a little bit of uh, heart is in Brooklyn, but uh, Charleston's a special place. <laughs> okay. Um, red, white, or sparkling wine? All the above. <laughs> Good answer. That's a great answer. Um, texting or talking? I'm definitely more of a texter. Okay. Favorite food to drink wine with? Ooh, that's a great one. I'm a huge barbecue nerd. I love okay. kind of barbecue. So yeah, I'd probably say I would go some, some sort of barbecue. Okay. Um, baby panda or baby penguin? I mean, the penguins are just so cool. Like, they have, they have their, like, <laughs> are there any movies about pandas? I mean, there's, there's movies about penguins. So I'm going with penguins. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, best wine to pair with a burger? Uh, great question. Um, a lot of people don't uh, know this, but Malbec, most people think of it being from South, South America, is originally from a village in France called Cahors. Uh-huh. And it's usually like the second or, or the most cheap glass on the menu, but is awesome. So it pairs with anything, but really great uh, with a burger. Nice. Okay. See, actually, Cahor, that's something that we had like back in Ukraine when I was growing up in churches. So that's what they are like giving you, the Cahor. Really? And I loved the, yeah, yeah. When, yeah. So that's that's the thing. It's it's tasty. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. We're going to have like a fountain of knowledge just spilling over today in today's podcast. Okay. And last question for you, Logan. Is Santa real? Of course. I like your answer. Okay, awesome. Hey, I like this guy already. So. <laughs> I know. I, it's going to be a good it's going to be a good episode. <laughs> and he's a team baby baby penguin as well. So. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be a good podcast. It's got to be. So Logan, for those who don't know you or who don't know your brand, how would you describe your brand? What is wine awesomeness and why it's awesome? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, to me it's like really surprising that uh wine to me is already a really really cool and interesting thing. And I was a poli-sci kid in college, so I always loved the story behind different places and, and different things. And I think wine is just really unique because it, it changes every year. And it is from all different places in the world and has a backstory in Eastern Europe. And until the end of the, really the, the Cold War and the Soviet Union, a lot of wine never made it to the, made it to the West. And that's a real shame. Same thing with, with South Africa. Climate change is changing. Wine, wine is just this really unique consumer product, but also it's just grapes and it tastes great and it makes you feel good and you shouldn't have to take it too seriously. So long, long answer to a short question is just wine should be really fun and interesting and, uh, and cool. And at the end of the day, people should, it should be more accessible for people to drink what they want. And it shouldn't be thinking a lot of, a lot of wine businesses are a little pretentious and a little snobby. And at the end of the day, it's just grapes and drink what you like. Is it true that millennials are the biggest wine drinking generation ever? I read it somewhere and I was like, yeah, I think feel like somebody said that somewhere. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty surprising and, but I think it makes a ton of sense. Uh, millennials are the biggest wine drinking generation ever in the U.S. The wine industry is like 40-45 billion dollar space, but still extremely small on e-commerce. Uh, wow. I think somewhere between uh, all out of all wine retail sales, I think somewhere it's probably upped a lot through what we're going through with the pandemic. But it looks like three to five percent of retail of wine purchases are done through e-commerce, and there's wow. a lot of work to go. And the rest of retail e-commerce is around 10 to 15% of different different verticals. So there's a so much growth to happen. And at the same time, we have all these 20s and 30 somethings that are picking wine over beer and spirits. Um, and we need to have a, a voice and really in more of a conversation of reaching, I think that consumer 
in a, a fun, approachable, and um, kind of knowledgeable way. Wow, um, only three to five percent. That blows my mind. I feel like yeah. this industry in Europe is much more advanced in a way because yeah. you can order wine like everywhere. You can buy it everywhere. This first of all, and you don't even they don't even ask you for like ID or something. You can yeah. literally buy like wine everywhere. And I I don't know how it works in the states, but in Canada you cannot actually purchase any alcohol in 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 the stores. Like I mean, in the grocery stores, you have to go to like designated places like the wow. the wine store or or the beer store or whatever. So that's easier for you guys in the states. So let's let's. Do some story time here. What's your background and how did it all start for you? Yeah, so how did you get was, into the e-commerce world? Yeah. Yeah. I like to joke that we were my co-founder is a guy uh Dale Sleer. We went to college together. We've known each other entirely too long and somehow <laughs> stuck it out over more than a decade of friendship and business and and craziness. But like I said, I was a, a poli sci major and I always just always loved technology and, and what technology could do within life, whether that was like the first time signing on to, to Facebook or the first time ever building a HTML email and sending it to a list of, of some kind, what technology could do. And after college, uh, I think Dale's very much in that boat. He's more technical than, mm -hmm. than me and I'm more vision of where I think things can go, but don't really necessarily have any practical skills. So I got to recruit everybody to help build what we're trying to, to build. But um, We just, we, we always hung out at, at this wine bar in Charleston and we always thought it was really cool hearing the stories around wine. And we were like, why isn't this really sold online? And we were basically naive in the, in the best ways and <laughs> worst ways. because uh, I don't think we would have started the thing knowing everything that we know now, but I'm glad <laughs> we did. And, um, we have, and e-commerce is, is really tough, but we started the business just over seven years ago within around six months. We realized, hey, we don't. We we started in Charleston, South Carolina, and we just didn't. We didn't have the ecosystem. wasn't there for mentors, investors, talent, and we're just basically packed up our stuff in the middle of the night and moved to New York and and tried to hustle our way to build the company. Wow. Uh, we hired a few people, made some friends, and uh, started having some more investor conversations. And we've always been a pretty scrappy business too, so we haven't had we haven't been flush with. A, a ton of capital, but we have some really fantastic um, investors. And that also was just helpful staying lean. We'd have helped us figure out some of the challenges better, but that's what we really just started. We just thought wine was cool. And we didn't realize how complicated it can be to deliver wine to a consumer yeah. across different states across the country. And thank goodness a lot has changed over the last seven years in the, in the, And a lot of even just the regulatory stuff has gotten more simple where it's easier for consumers to pick out what they want and have it delivered just like most other products. But um, yeah, we just started thinking it'd be cool. I mean, it's real. I wish there was like, we, there was some kind of research project we did and we, we, we <laughs> surveyed a bunch of people and we had focus groups, but we were just like, wine's cool. Why isn't it sold online? Wine, like, is awesome. wine is awesome. How, how did you come up with the name of the brand? It's so straightforward, but yet so <laughs> cool. I've had a love-hate relationship with the name of it because it's, it is kind of a ridiculous name, but I think it has really come into its own and really it fits. I like to say that we're wine awesomeness, the most serious wine company ever. Um, <laughs> And it's just this kind of play on words that, I mean, one, wine is awesome. It shouldn't be taken yeah. seriously. And good juice and good bottles should be, you shouldn't spend more than 15 or 20 bucks to have that bottle at your house to, to yeah. enjoy on the I dinner I feel like you guys are changing today. the stigma about wine because wine has this 
like image of snobby. being only for like snobby people yeah. you know in their like 40s and 50s and you're like changing the entire vibe around wine so i love yeah, it and I, and i think the wine really does speak for itself too though everything we sell i think is real stuff that i i drink and stuff that i would share with friends and family but at the same time it doesn't need like it wine should be approachable it's it is just grapes uh and it's made by really fascinating and interesting people all over the globe that are farm i mean basically far i mean are farming grapes and turning them into something that everybody enjoys yeah. I, mean, i don't think needs to be i mean it's awesome but it doesn't necessarily need to be set up in a uh in a, on a pedestal yeah i love that so you would say you guys didn't really uh have like an understanding of the market or like if there even was a potential for the market it was just you know what like, we like I mean, we knew what, I mean, I do think in, in all things, I do think there's this element that the best brands and best businesses push the market as much as they cater uh -huh. to the market. And don't get me wrong, we need to have stuff that people want. Right. But it's also really awesome to have a liter bottle from Slovenia that nobody can even pronounce the grapes and people try it and they love it and, and, and be able to push the market um, right. as much as just only sell what most people think will sell. Um, and that's, I think that's one of the coolest things about our subscription. Um, and that's about half of the business is that people sign up for that discovery. It's not about you get the perfect bottle every single time. A lot of people will write in or rate wines and are like, Hey, this sparkling red was not really my, my jam, but I'm super glad that I got to taste it. And that yeah. was an experience for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so and did I, you have the membership like right away or was it something that you introduced later? Yeah. I, we basically, I think the really, the first, I mean, this is going back in the, the very early days. I think we, we played around with a lot of different, it's always been picking really cool wines that had a story and a place and things that we thought were cool. Now, how we package that into a business, I think has, we've tested things and evolved and, and tried different things. I think it's like seven, eight years ago was really the age of like the flash sale too, like guilt and living social and Groupon. And those, I think we really, I think we started, I think when we launched the website, those were the first few things that we tested and we quickly learned. I mean, I, I've said this, I've said it a few times that just because you have a website, if you build it, no one's coming. Um, Like I think so many people getting into e-com are just think you put out a website and people just show up and start buying things. Um, <laughs> that's not true. And it's really, really hard to, to get traffic. So we would have flash sales, but we had like an email list of like 50 people that were like our friends that probably were just like doing it as a favor to be on our, on our email list. Uh, right. But I think pretty quickly we saw the value of subscription and we really liked the idea that you would be, cool to have customers that we knew were there every month. And then we just harassed our friends to, to, <laughs> to sign up to get started. We, in the beginning days, we packed the boxes ourselves and we had this bright blue box that like basically turned our hands blue. Oh was no. It, was it in the garage? It must be the garage because it's how all the great stories start. Like we started frog, at the front. Or like a frog above, uh, it's like a space <laughs> above or not. Uh, I think it still counts though. Um, but yeah, it'd be really cool if it was an actual actual we'll just say it is so we started <laughs> yeah, yeah let's let's and but we die that's so funny to i me. mean our hands i mean there's probably photos um <laughs> of people's hands and we just and we when we started the subscription we would just we'd pack it once a month and it was a hundred or a few hundred orders when we started and we just like basically bribe people with wine to come help us pack up these boxes <laughs> which is it's still it seems like that was a lifetime ago because now we have 
fulfillment centers, one in Napa and one upstate New York outside of Albany. And we ship out hundreds of boxes a day and, and people get their wine like the next day, which is, which is really cool. And it's pretty nuts how that, that evolution has happened. I think all kinds of businesses, startups, tech or anything, it's really finding the, the perseverance and the ability to survive, to get better and better at that craft of what you're building. Um, and we've been really, really lucky to, uh, even in some very challenging times trying to figure this thing out, to keep alive and keep building and uh, keep at it. Yeah. And I'm sure- Do you remember? Oh, sorry, go sorry. ahead. No, 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 no. I was going to say, and I'm sure that COVID uh, definitely helped this year as well <laughs> with people being home and wanting to buy wine and they're like, ah, where do I go? And then they come upon wine awesomeness and it's, yeah, I'm sure it hasn't been. Uh, it's been too- I thought we were- so screwed. <laughs> I mean, I remember there was a day in, I guess, sometime in middle of March, and when all the shutdown orders were kind of cascading across the country, we weren't, and then, and, and some businesses were not even, it was all about, are you an essential business or not an essential business? Mm-hmm. And our whole fulfillment partnership was very, I mean, when they did the shutdown order at Napa, they had no guidance if they're considered essential and what there was, I thought we were just going to have to shut down for like weeks. Oh my um, gosh. And then later in that afternoon, it was kind of all clear that we were essential. Then I was, went to, okay, well, hopefully like the economy's not going to completely suck and people will still want to buy some wine. And we really wanted to think through what that would look like. But then day by day, I mean, the business tripled in like 30 days and we were all just, hustling our, our butts off to meet the demand, which was, and everybody was remote too. So at the same time, like it's like your business is growing like wildfire. Everybody's working from different places. And to me, that's what really what's so cool about technology too, that we're lucky that we live in this kind of more connected world where we can have some Wi-Fi and see each other's uh, beautiful faces and yeah. talk challenges and, and, and different things. So, um, I mean, it's been a wild year and I would never wish a pandemic on anybody. And it's, and it's, a, yeah. a stuff is really, is really quite sad. And, it's, um, and I think that just got to stay focused and keep grinding away and, and, and try to figure out how we're going to all live, but we right. gotta, we right. gotta be more pro. I feel like we need to be more proactive on getting COVID under control. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get back to those like early days. Do you remember your first sale ever? Who was it? Was it your grandma or or a friend of yours? Do you remember that very first customer of yours? So actually, I do know who the first customer is. Um, and I'll have to share this with uh, Charlie. Is a fraternity brother that lived in Aspen. He still lives in Aspen. He's, he's a, like a firefighter and ski junkie now in, in Aspen. And Charlie was customer number one. Without any harassing, too. So it's great. Um, Without it, any harassing. I love yeah, this little note. We had, so I was like some validation. And I'm still, even to this day, I mean, I'm an analytics junkie, like going through the analytics and, and who's buying what, when and where. But yeah, Chuck, uh, shout out to Charlie. Thank you for being customer number one. That's awesome. How That's- did people learn at the beginning about, about your brand? How did you, what, what channels of marketing did you use at the beginning? I think we had this tenacity to be able to reach out to different people for and try to figure out how all of this worked. And I, I give a lot of big, sh- I mean, even Dale as like an avid, like 
geeky in the best way possible, wanting to learn all the ins and outs of technology and how it literally works. And then I've always been halfway decent at trying to find people that had success in what that looked like. We had some press because there's a, a few wine companies that kind of started at the same time and we got lumped in, we got looped into. So there was that. Um, there was, it really was still like this, these days of the, the daily deals too. And we were featured on Guilt City and that just exploded. It basically broke our website. We were, had like a thousand orders in a day trying to figure out how to pack those things up in a tiny little office, AKA garage somewhere. Uh, but that also gave us enough traction to have our first investor and rebuild the website from scratch. And we moved over to Magento from God knows what, um, and <laughs> had a, a real proper, uh, proper website. We're still built on Magento now. We've done so much to it and, and, and evolved a lot over, over the years, but it's been a great platform uh, to manage our business. And we just always just kept our heads down and really kept learning more and more. And that really led, and also at that time, as we moved to New York, really a lot of these, New York City still is really kind of a home of a lot of digital media startups. Thrillist, Inside Hook, Pure Wow. At the time there was Daily Candy. There was, I mean, still Refinery29. A lot of these were really driven by an email list. And we realized, and wow, it's, it's, it's pretty inexpensive to be able to just market to your own email list. It's, it's always for us still to this day, ROI uh, marketing channel is, is our prospecting piece of our, our email list. And then we do even better as we uh, retarget and retain customers and, and, and drive up that repurchase rate through all the lovely flows that are built by our Flowium crew. Uh, but, um, and that just really, at that time, this, the, the, there was a big push on these, a lot of these daily email newsletters. And we we're like, okay, cool. We can figure out how to build. We, we learned from a lot of those digital media startups how to build them. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a lot of partnerships and a lot of just getting out there and meeting. When we moved to New York, meet the people that were helping build lists for all these digital media companies. And even though we weren't digital media, we understood the value of what those emails would be and, and trying to turn them into customers. We started... With like maybe like 25 or 50 that we got to like a 50,000 person email list. And we thought that was like amazing. Um, and now on our prospecting side, I think we send around 20 million emails uh, a month to drive, um, to drive customer acquisition. So yeah, somehow every time I think we can't get better at email, we figure out another little bell and whistle and cool tool. And then you have like great things that have come up over the last few years. When we really started, I think it was just basically maybe MailChimp and Constant Contact. And yep. that was basically just being able to blast an email out. I mean, what can be done with something like Klaviyo is really mind-blowing. I mean, and that's a whole separate piece of this puzzle from getting the customer, getting the, getting the lead, turning them into a customer, and then trying to turn them into a great customer with all the different um, kind of bells and whistles and tools that I think Clavio has really brought out there. And for leaner e-commerce companies, uh, I don't see how people can really live without it. But long-winded answer to email, email, email. We love email. It, I think it can be such a great foundation to all of your marketing channels. And it really helps across the board because, I mean, you're retargeting and making, I mean, getting your whole entire kind of uh, your business to work. I think especially within e-commerce, email is, I think, critical. So with all of this, because 
Um, obviously, you're, you were the co-founder of Dojo Mojo as well, which is a, a major online platform that deals specifically with partnership marketing and helping grow that side of things. How does this all fit in? So what is Dojo Mojo? Mojo? Did it come before Wine Awesomeness? And then that's how you grew Wine Awesomeness? Or did it kind of spiral out of Wine Awesomeness? Like, where does that all fit in? Kind of? Sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, you're starting with email. We always, we always just, we looked at all these brands too, that are, and still do, spend a lot of money on Facebook, Google, Instagram. And I always kind of halfway joke, but I think there's a lot of truth into it that I think a lot of these, a lot of e-commerce companies are spending a dollar to get 80 cents back because just because Facebook, the dirty little secret is Facebook and Instagram and Google is really expensive and it's really hard to acquire. I think a lot of brands are acquiring customers and it's too expensive and they're never, they're hoping one day on a wish and a prayer that the lifetime value will be greater than the cost to get that customer. Right. Uh, we were just, we've traditionally not been very successful at some of those more expensive marketing channels. So we just always went back to email. Uh, and we had an investor that saw what we were doing through this driving these different partnerships. And we would work with different brands to, I mean, basically do sweepstakes and giveaways and partnerships with all kinds of brands that we thought had customers or an audience that were attractive to, to us. We know the wine awesomeness customer. Uh -huh. is going to be is definitely going to be millennial leans female is in, probably in an urban market so where who can we work with how can we tap into that audience and and get that traffic or get that email lead always would be some sort of a barter whether we or a partnership or some sort of co-branded giveaway and wine is really we're really lucky to be in wine because wine is tied to travel and to all kinds of different fun things so giving away a, a trip to visit a winery and in Italy, it's a Very cool, cool. yeah. And you can get a bunch of people, but we can get a we can get a handful of brands that kind of have that millennial audience we're looking to looking for. Drive a bunch of traffic to a landing page for that giveaway, and then share all the leads together. And before Dojo existed, there was a lot of technical work from building the landing page, finding the marketing person at other brands that we wanted to work with, and one of our uh, investors. It's like, it'd be really cool if we could build some sort of software business that just made it a lot easier to execute what our, our strategy was to grow our list. Um, and that's really kind of, that was the, the kind of the origin moment for, for the platform. And now Dojo has a few, uh, several thousand brands on it. Nearly every major publisher from at Condé Nast or Hearst or Meredith slash every startup e-com brand that's just trying to trying to grind away and, and make it work like somebody like us are on the platform makes it easier to connect with brands that you want to connect with build those landing pages track uh, the entries into campaigns integrate all those new leads coming into with your with your ESP so it just shrinks all of that time and effort to do to kind of execute one of those giveaway partnerships by a very meaningful amount of time. So you're more efficient when you're a startup trying to figure it out. I mean, you really, everything is about time and efficiency and, and being able to use your brain power to solve some of the harder problems of the business. Uh -huh. uh, and that the platform really is pretty awesome at making it easier for brands to collaborate, pull off partnerships, working together with really rooted in driving more email opt-ins for, for the brands working together. But um, yeah, it's, 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 it's super cool. And several years on, it's definitely still part of our, our bread and butter of our, our marketing strategy. Okay. 
That's very interesting. <laughs> I love this stuff. It's very cool because you're now connecting all these like for like brands and you're, it's almost providing more accessibility for the customer, if anything. So it's, it seems like, I mean, obviously it's beneficial for the brands, but it seems like it's really beneficial for the customer as well. Cause you're kind of lumping everything together where it's like, here are all your favorite things. And then you can just kind of attack it as the customer, which is awesome. So how did Dojo help Wine Awesomeness build its list of subscribers? Like what level of impact did you guys see when you started to utilize it for your business? Like how did everything grow? Did you see your list of subscribers? Like double, triple, how did that go? It was definitely exponential driver in our ability to acquire new email leads and, and get more more traffic and really traffic and email leads at kind of a, a cost that made the business really work and made it, made it really efficient to acquire customers that didn't cost more than they were worth. Uh-huh. Um, but I would say, I mean, I mean, it's, it's a many, many folds on what we were able to execute. It probably took, before Dojo existed, probably took us maybe 10 hours to get a actual partner from finding the partners, getting prizing wow. and, and ex- getting something really organized. I mean, it could take actually 10 hours might be optimistic <laughs> oh my um, gosh. Um, to get really a, a partner, a multi-branded like sweepstakes page up and going with the people that the partners you wanted to work with, mm-hmm. getting all of them to schedule their own promotions of the giveaway. I mean, we probably were able to, I bet triple our our output of work because the platform just makes it that much easier to to execute a single giveaway, and we we want to do as many as possible. Right. Uh, but um, yeah, it's probably tripled our our ability to execute on those types of, of partnerships, which really are the for us is the lifeblood of the business. It's all about how much new email we can acquire mm-hmm. each month. And how quickly can we turn that new those new emails into customers? And then how much we can get those customers to repurchase and repurchase and repurchase and become wine awesomeness lifers, right? Um, and 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 only purchase wine from us, except if they're in a restaurant. And how yeah. does this entire process look on the end of the customer? Is it like the same? Just the back end is different for you guys. How does this like entire process look? Um, do like, you mean- how do they like get into this system? Like, where do you, where do you advertise? Do they have to like fill out some kind of form? Sure. I'm just like trying to understand the, the, the entire journey, you know? So like, so if we say we, we work with like a pop sugar and maybe two, two other, three other kind of digital media companies or e-commerce companies that all have customers that are females, 25 to 40, we'll push out a landing page that is like a beautiful example of what it would be like on this journey or adventure to Italy to drink wine and check out wineries. Each brand is responsible to drive traffic to that page. And then all the brands share in the total number of opt-ins. So everybody's giving a little bit by driving traffic and driving entries into that, into that giveaway, but Mm -hmm. they're all sharing in all of the entries. So your list should grow substantially and you're getting all of that audience that you want. And then the next step is and, you, and just just like to clarify, you're getting this like the same list of people to all of the brands, right? To list of the yeah, all of the brands. sharing in everybody's sharing in that's so awesome. Of opt-ins, uh, email opt-ins. And then but I mean that's really the kind of the 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 first step is hey, what well, it's really cool and it's it's an efficient way to get a lead. Mm-hmm. But then you gotta you still gotta turn the lead into a customer. Oh, yeah. um, and that is, I think, where we uh, we really bring out the, the bazooka in our email. Mar- part of the, the bazooka portion of our email marketing 
uh, we use an ESP called Send in Blue that is is just really efficient in email offers. Um, then once we convert you, then you're going to be treated completely different based on uh, what is I think is the one is some of the coolest stuff that and we've been really working on this on this year with with the Flowium team is if a customer buys X Y Z wines, then they need to be treated differently than if they were came in as a, a wine club member or right. we've built a really cool rating system uh, this year called wine seller. If, if users rate wines and love them, we need to build out specific dynamic flows for the users based on those wines and those ratings. And I think that's where marketing is getting so good. Uh, digital marketing is getting in kind of this customer retention and repurchasing marketing is getting so good that we can, treat customers differently based on their actions and, and kind of what they're telling you already, what they want uh, by their purchases, use that information in a way, use that information in a way that makes the experience better for that, that customer. Yeah. And I, sense. that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's what I actually like about digital marketing, like how targeted it can be. That's amazing. Let's get back to Dojo Mojo and you've partially covered like what kind of brands you guys work with, but do you think this, the software can actually work for everyone? Who, who would you recommend Dojo Mojo to? I think if you're into driving eyeballs, whether that is just somebody that wants to, that your customers are reader, you're building audience mm-hmm. or you're building customers on the internet you need to be focused on building your email list. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of a more efficient way to, to build a list than a tool like Dojo. So I always kind of, from the very beginning, I always joke that from Amazon to a local karate shop in your small town, if they're sending out emails, then they need to build up that audience of their customers. And obviously that, that audience and that customer is gonna be different for those two different businesses. But the tool, is, is still in the most basic element of it, very, very important. If you don't talk to your customers, you don't engage your customers, and you don't, you don't build that community uh, uh, with your customers, then they're, they're probably not gonna be purchasing as much as they, they can be or should be. Um, right, are you, are you building community just through emails or do you use any other like platforms like Facebook groups or stuff like that? So we, I think we're, we're, we're getting okay at building community with our rating tool, which I think is really cool. Uh, that's something we built in-house where customers can come in and rate wines, write their own tasting notes, see what other customers say about that specific wine. Uh, I think that's is helping building community. We do focus a lot on email and, and kind of sharing the backstory of wines and why we picked them. But I think that's something we could probably get better at on from all platforms outside of that on building more of an engaged community. I think that is, is definitely something we can, we can improve on. Uh, we've been so focused across email with probably uh, eventually should spend a little bit more time on from Instagram or Facebook groups. And there's a lot of people doing some really cool stuff on, on, on Facebook groups and building really engaged community. Um, so that's something we should probably work on more. You guys had this like awesome, almost like a magazine, like a quarterly magazine or something like that, right? When you first started. Yeah. We, I mean, I think we've always going back to me being this kind of poli sci kid, I think we'd love telling the story behind the bottles. Wine is just such a cool right. kind of vehicle to talk about travel, location, geopolitics, climate change, or just like what it tastes like and what to eat it with. And I think even like our individual wine pages, we've, from the very beginning, we've always paired every wine with uh, music. I mean, it's just really trying to make it more of, of an experience. 
and we've created all kinds of different magazines from print to digital with those stories and and really just try to make that wine more of a, a story t- storytelling vehicle and, and and that being a lot of the experience okay i need i need your help here alessa she's obsessed with the song 21st night of september do you remember this one <laughs> It's like good by it's Earth, like Wind, a song. and Fire. That song that's like, like this... "Do you remember?" Yeah. <laughs> so what what kind of wine can you pair with this song? Um, that's a good question. Actually, <laughs> I mean, I think it might be some. Like, I mean, it, it's kind of like a nostalgia song, though. Like, but also yeah. it feels very celebratory. So maybe some bubbles. Um, oh yes, you're talking uh, my language. That's great. Uh, so and there's never there's never a wrong time to to pop some sparkling wine. No, they're definitely my favorite wine ever, and it doesn't matter what brand it is. Is prosecco? Prosecco is actually my favorite drink, like ever. So uh, I'm always always down for bubbles. Always. That's so funny, Vera. You, the fact that you remember that that's like my favorite song ever. It's like a silly obsession that I've had since I was like a teenager. But yeah, that's and a good song. Every and every twenty first night of September every year. She like celebrates so that's yeah. so cute. Every well oh, and wow. also last year on the 21st of September my husband proposed to me. So it's like makes the day even more special because it's like our engagement anniversary now. So it's uh it's nice. It's definitely well, I'm, I'm I'm a little bummed that we have to wait now like a whole another like 360 <laughs> days to celebrate. I know. I know. Well, I'm sure I'll find a reason to. Well, and the other thing is, is I'm limited to how much uh, Prosecco I can actually currently drink because of this little baby that's growing in in my belly. So uh, that, that, that puts a stopper on a lot of things. So Logan, okay, last question. What advice would you give to your younger self about starting a business? Run away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm kidding. Um, I think having the... One of my favorite, I mean, a bunch of them, I'm a huge Steve Jobs nerd, but one of my favorite quotes from Jobs is that the journey is the reward mm. and not always being focused on, I think there's so many only ifs, if we get to a hundred new customers in a day, or if we only hit this revenue number, those milestones are always going to get, there's always going to be another one and, yep. and really have the patience and perseverance to build something for that last, for for a long time and not just think that you're, I mean, I mean, some people have gotten extremely lucky, but I think those are all the outliers of like just starting something, raising a bunch of money, selling it in a couple of years and spending the rest of your time on the beach. Um, um, So celebrating those small wins along the way, but realizing that the journey is the reward and, and be a little bit have a little bit more focus of a longer term horizon and also have the ability to fail a lot and figure out how to, to, to get up. I mean, another, one of my more isms is, I mean, failure, I mean, how we think about failure, I think is really real failure is just not doing anything and not trying right. learning every day. And maybe it's not perfect, but you tweak and you learn that's not failing. I mean, that is, that's just, perpetually always trying to figure it out. And some days are more challenging than others. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, you're going to have, if you're starting your own thing, whether it's whatever you're working on, it's going to be a lot of learning. And some days are, you're going to get punched in the face a few times and you got to figure out how to show up the next day. (laughs) 100%, 100%. I love that. Can you suggest any like good book on entrepreneurial mindset or something like that? 
I won that like this is about 36 months, like three, two or three years ago. I'm a big, huge fan of anything by Simon Sinek and Adam Grant. I love this guy. Uh, uh, so, I mean, start with why I think is really like for me, why getting up in the morning, like you're building something and like what really drives you. Mm-hmm. But um, I would say the originals by Adam Grant is really fascinating. I think so many people think of entrepreneurs as all they're just taking risk. But the best entrepreneurs are understanding the risk and trying to figure out how to how to mitigate the mm-hmm. risk all along the way. And uh, the originals is really a bit changed my mindset on how to be more strategic and mitigate risk while taking opportunity as well. It doesn't mean you're not kind of going for it, but you can try to mitigate some risk while you're making these these kind of big jumps and trying to build a business. Um, so any does an action right now I'm reading give and take by Adam Grant, which is awesome too. Um, but, uh, both of those guys I think are pretty incredible for anybody looking to, for the challenge of, of starting a business. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, by the way, all of the resources guys that we are discussing in this uh, podcast, they will be linked in the description box. So scroll, scroll down, go to all those good links, all those websites that we have mentioned. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends because uh, we do have a lot of good stuff coming your way. Alyssa, maybe you can talk about um, the guest that we'll have next week. Yeah, so next week, and he's been uh, he's been hinted at a little bit throughout this podcast, will be, uh, some would say he may be uh, Logan's partner in crime in all of this. So next week, we will have another guest, and we'll be diving in a lot deeper into partnership marketing and like the technical aspects of it. So you have this incredible platform like Dojo Mojo that's driving your subscribers way up, providing you all these opportunities. But um, next week, we want to kind of look into how to capitalize on all that because sometimes it can be a little overwhelming and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what do we do with all these new people? How do we capitalize on this? So Dale's going to be talking about that with us for next week's episode. So make sure that you stay tuned and check it out. Logan, definitely thank drill, you so much. Definitely, definitely drill Dale on what it's like working <laughs> at home with a toddler <laughs> or an infant Aww. and you can get some tips, Alyssa. Yeah. Uh, yep. It's really fun in our Zoom calls when the boss, a.k.a. Eliana, <laughs> up and starts bossing people around. Aww. So maybe she, can, she might she's have a cutie. as well. But, I've, been uh, privy, I've been privy to the boss, so uh, she's, definitely, she's definitely a cute boss. <laughs> but I uh, appreciate the time and uh, all the awesome work from the Flowium crew, and um, thanks for having me. Yeah, we thank you so much, Logan. You on this podcast, so so great. much, so much. We had so much fun and so much good like insights and everything. Yeah. Um, I was like doing my notes as we were speaking, <laughs> and I have like an entire action items that I need to do after this call. I will probably like re-listen this podcast after we are done. So thank you so much. I'm adding mastermind quote on my LinkedIn. So mastermind, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, you got to add that to your LinkedIn bio. Oh, sure. that I according to Floyd, so. <laughs> yeah, that's that's legit. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Logan. And guys, we'll see you all next week for next week's episode. Cool. See you next week for next week's episode. <laughs> yeah, next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Email Einstein. Can you feel that? Your marketing brain just got a little bit bigger. We ask that you please use it wisely. You've got all the theory you need to get out there and start boosting your sales. Because great emails equals revenue squared. 
Just in 2022, we help our e-commerce client generate over 250 millions in revenue through effective email marketing strategy. And now we can help you too. Stop missing out on the potential revenue your email could be generating for your business right now. Take advantage of our free email marketing audit today and let our team help you optimize your email for maximum conversion. Go to floriumcom slash audit and book your audit today. It's F-L-O-W-I-U-M dot com slash a u d i t flown dot com slash audit